0: Hi, and welcome to Season 5 of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. It's Bob again, and I've got Pick Up The Damn Phone. How people, not technology, seal the deal. And I've got Joanne S. Black here with me. Can I ask you, Joanne, what does the S stand for? It's That's not sexy, my- <laughs> is it?
1: <laughs> I sometimes say sweet.
0: Oh! Last
1: made, but it is the first initial of my maiden name.
0: Now, let's talk about uh, Pick Up the Damn Phone. And uh, it's it's kind of obvious that this is all about, uh, this book is, is about sales, is about telephone sales, but it's way more than that, isn't it?
1: Absolutely way more than that. I, it's it's huge for anybody in sales, any business owner, to know how to stand out from everybody else.
0: Now, now I want to jump in here because I feel that uh, you know, sales books are something that uh, not only owners, but CEOs, people that are running larger organizations should be reading just so they can understand what their sales and marketing departments are doing to get those leads. Do you, do you think that's important?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the CEO or anybody in the C-suite, and I'm putting that in quotes, you can't see my fingers moving, but they are, <laughs> uh, really is responsible for driving revenue to the company. And many times they don't see themselves in that role, and they abdicate that role, where it's really huge is in setting the sales strategy, the go-to-market strategy, in working with the sales team to find out what his or her connections are, and helping people to leverage those connections so they can have conversations. Many times the CEO should be involved in some type of presentation, not always, it just depends how big, what the company is, because you need to talk level to level. Uh, In my previous life working for another company, I actually had our CEO fly out from Boston to California, one of the longest trips in the United States that you can make for a very important presentation because he was needed for his perspective and actually to close the deal. And it worked.
0: Well, and it's also a form of respect. I remember when I was working the bigger agencies in Asia, you know, we would be pitching clients and all the the heavy hitters would come in for their initial one or two meetings to do the major presentations. Just to wow the person say, hey, look, you know, we believe in your company. Any questions you want to know about us, we're completely transparent. What do you need to know? And we will hit the road running. And uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, a closing move. But before we get into a closing situation, where does the sales start? Where do you think does that? Does it start even before you pick up the phone?
1: Well, absolutely. it It starts. It starts in a, for me. It starts with my thinking about. You know, who do I need to reach? Uh, there, there's so many ways. It the sales process starts. It could start because you read something about a company and you say, oh, that would be a great client. It could start because you've met someone and you've clicked and they decide they want to talk to you more. It could start because you work a referral process, as I do, and people give you an introduction because you're really clear about the person you want to meet. Uh, And then once you have that information and you decide where you're going to start, Then we go to the next step.
0: You know, you mentioned two things there that I think are critically important. One is the referral process. But before that, you said a great client. And I think that is probably one of the key things that a lot of people don't think of is would I like this as would I like to work with this person as a client and help build their business and make it successful through the service that I provide instead of like, oh, uh, I'll choose this person out, out of desperation
1: a desperation anybody can hear. You know, we do have control as salespeople and many of us relinquish that because there's been so much research today about the power of the buyer. You know, buyer 2.0 having all of this information and having done research about us before they ever talked to us, completed something between 67 and 80% of the buying process before they talked to a salesperson. Um, And if we believe that, we won't be successful. It's really our choice as salespeople, as people who run sales teams, as people in the C-suite, as business owners, whoever we are that's responsible for sales, that we need to choose who we want to work with. Where do we do our best work? Is it with small companies? Is it with Fortune 500 companies? Is it with Fortune 50 companies? I I don't know, but we each need to determine who that client is and then beyond that who in that company would be our target who in that company would really resonate with our message and then to your point bob what's a person like you know is this someone that really values what we have to offer can we have a conversation do they see us sitting at the same side of the table are they collaborative do they have a sense of humor these all these personal traits That many times we don't think of because the opposite of a client like that. So I talk about this in my first book, No More Cold Calling, is I call it the PITA client, P-I-T-A.
0: All right, you got me hooked. (laughs) Yes, please, you hooked me.
1: (laughs) Pain in the ass. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and so what happens, you know, when we have somebody like that, you know, who's pushy in your face, doesn't listen, keeps changing deadlines... Um, always goes, you know, beyond scope, and they have no idea why. Um, people like that. What happens is it drains us. It drains our team. It always takes more time. We don't make money. This is not the kind of client we want to work with. And the thing is, we don't want to ask them for a referral because PETAs hang out with other PETAs. so. We need to be clear. We need to take control because as salespeople, we have that. Whether we work for a large company, we're running a sales team, or we're independent, we, in a way, are independent because we have our book of business, which is our responsibility. So how, in fact, then, do we build that with exactly the kind of clients we want to work with?
0: You know, that's a. Very good uh, point. How do you find the clients that you want to work with? Do you think it is through the referral process, phoning up people saying, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've heard about this guy. Do you think I should be talking to him because you already know me? What do you think that is the best way to do that?
1: Absolutely, the, through referrals. I mean, and, and it really doesn't matter whether you're talking to someone in the C-suite, you want to get there or someplace else. Bottom line, Bob, any executive, any business owner does not have Meet with Salesperson at the top of their list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And the what what frustrates me so much is there is talk after talk after talk today about using all these tech tools to get in, you know, and to identify trigger events. We know what you're doing. We know you moved from another company. We know on social media what you've been talking about. And then we just are going to send an email and telling you how great we are and why you should talk to us. Well, once in a while that works. However, the way to meet your ideal client the person you've chosen to meet is through a referral because someone will always take a call will always take a meeting if someone they know and trust say you know you should really talk to bob and here's why Mm -hmm. they know they're going to have a good conversation they won't waste their time they will learn something even if it's not a fit that's the opportunity we want we want the opportunity to have the conversation. Let's
0: talk about that because I think it's critically important. I mean, one of the my favorite techniques is by doing interviews, phoning up people and ask, look, I've got some questions. And the, you ask if you're lucky enough, you get to ask those people the questions and they get to know you a little bit through those questions. Then you, at the end of it, say, great, who else should I ask uh, these questions too, so I can learn more about this industry or or whatever, and that's a much easier referral because then you know um, they're they're not going to be referring a salesperson to another person. How do you get over that? i saying, hey, that's great. Who else do you think that my services will help? Because that's you a mean, that's a request for sales. Like who who should mean, I call to make a sales
1: being call to? viewed as a salesperson?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So.
1: <laughs> Here is the rub. And unfortunately, our profession has gotten a bad rap. So when people think of salespeople, they'll think of like the used car salesman, you know, bad dresser, pushy, shovey, doesn't ask good questions, in your face, doesn't listen. Uh, nobody wants to be like that. However, good salespeople aren't like that, Mom. We know that. We ask good questions, we listen. And I think more importantly, if we're not a good fit, we're okay telling the client that and walking away, but I won't walk away unless I really ask the right questions and find out who I can refer, who might be the best solution. That's a good salesperson. Everybody agrees, but that's not the way it is. Yeah, I'd,
0: I'd like the in the industry, the sales industry, actually get rid of the word sales industry or salesperson and say uh, solution provider, I think would be a much better per, a name for a, a great salesperson because that's what they do. They provide solutions. If they don't have the solution through their product line, they should be able to refer somebody else. Say, oh, you should talk to Joe because after talking with you, our thing doesn't fit. But Joe has an awesome, awesome product. I think will help you.
1: Well, Yes. And (laughs) (laughs) the, you know, it's more than solutions. It's really when you get a referral introduction, what we're doing, and, and this is the power of referrals. It means you have an introduction. You don't just get a name. You don't say, Bob told me to call. Well, sometimes that works, but the power is If I make an introduction to someone I know that you want to do another interview with, right? And I say, here, here's why you should meet Bob. And they know, and then they're okay having that phone call. What we want to do with salespeople is to get in before someone even knows they have a need. Now, how cool is that? So what I want to do is I want to meet the person who runs sales for a company. All I want is a conversation. And I know I won't be wasting their time. I will ask them questions. Sometimes they don't even know the answer to. And they'll say to me, you know, that's a really good question. I will give them ideas they hadn't thought of. If they want to talk about referrals, and it usually ends up there, I will share best practices. Then it's up to them. They want to continue. Because I've been referred, here's the thing. They tell me the truth. They're not leading me on. In fact, I had one prospect uh, last month. I met with, I talked on the phone, met in person. And he said, you know, you've given me some great ideas, but I have all these other things going on now, which he told me about. And I agreed the timing wasn't right. And he said, let me put this all in perspective. And he says, get back to me. And I'm thinking he's going to tell me like three months. What he told me was two weeks. Oh, that's good. Which I knew wasn't realistic. But the point is, he at that time thought he was being honest with me. And he wasn't putting me off because I had been referred. And he valued the person who referred him. I
0: wanted to ask you, how does a person that's not actually selling a a, A lead generation product or or whatever approach the same thing I mean um, they obviously have to research the company and find out the person that they need to be talking to but how do they figure that out that sounds like a pretty stupid question but for a lot of people out there that are tasked with running and building their company if they're a small company I think they just get stuck in what are the steps that I have to do what do I need to do to get before I even pick up the phone
1: Well, they probably need someone like you who can help them with marketing.
0: (laughs) 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 I've always looked at it is like we talked about earlier is like finding a company or an industry that you're excited about yourself. So when you do talk to the person, you can have a conversation and not you're just not reading up a bunch of bullet points. Because you kind of mentioned that when you talked about, when you talked to uh, whoever's running the sales in the sales department, you know that's going to be a good conversation because you kind of live it and you know it and you're going to get excited about sales because they're going to get excited about leads and sales. So do you think that's the most important thing is is for uh, the person that's picking up the phone and calling somebody else to really have an intimate understanding of, of why they're calling and be excited about that particular industry so that they can connect with a person on, on, on that level and not trying to connect with them on a business level.
1: I'm not sure it's so much about the industry. I mean, there's certain industries that I might say, I'm no interest in that, or I don't know anything about it, or I might say, and I don't really care about learning anything about it. Uh, And each of us will react differently. So some of us love professional services. Some would say, oh, manufacturing is really, you know, what I love to do. Technology is fabulous. Oh, financial services. I don't think it's as much the industry. Really, what your business proposition is, where do you play? So as an example, people will say to me, well, what industries do you work in? Now, if I just say one specific industry, that really narrows me. But I would rather have several industries that I like and I know about that I can talk about, but not necessarily two or three to the same person. Let me give you an example. For years, I worked um, in financial services, specifically banking. I know banking very well. Never worked in a bank, but I sold the banks for 12 years. So I know them pretty well. And I know what the issues are. And I know their issues haven't changed too much in the last 20 years. (laughs) So um, I'm with them right there. So that's one. Uh, The other area is one I would never have thought I'd be in, Bob. It's technology. Why? Because, you know, okay, I'm not a Luddite, but I'm not one of these people who who is really swift about using every kind of new technology. I use technology really well as a tool. Um, But my clients took me there. We have to listen to what's happening in the business world, what's happening in certain industries, what's happening in the economy. And so for me, my clients chose me. I mean, they didn't point at me and say, we want to work with you. But someone gave me a referral to a, you know, say a software company. I work with a lot of software companies um, who have resellers. And I thought, well, this is great because all these resellers are small companies. They have owners or founders who are techies. They don't know anything about sales. This would be a great place for me to work. And that mushroomed into other software companies. Now, please don't ask me the details of their software. Um, I need to know the business issues. And that's what it's about. So, yes, you need to be excited about an industry because you see a connection to what you can do for them. Um, But see how what you can do applies across the board to different segments. So maybe you want to work in sales. Maybe you want to work in IT. Maybe you want to work in finance. Maybe you want to work in R&D. Where where do you fit? Uh, I think coming out with a blanket statement here's in the beginning, here's where I want to work, really cuts us off. I think we need to have conversations with people to say, here's the business impact of what I have to offer. Here are the kind of results that a client can get by working together. let's brainstorm with me, where do you think I should be talking? Where, where do you think there's a fit? Who do you think I should be meeting? We need to get that kind of intelligence uh, from people. People who are out there every day. In the beginning. Let's
0: talk a little bit about the book. It's a quick book. It's a quick read. You know, we're talking a couple of hundred pages here. Um, And it's broken down into two very short chapters, almost like a crib note approach to it, which is great because in today's uh, world, we want to get to the meat of the matter as quickly as possible. You've got uh, section one, section two, section three, four, five, six, seven, and then a conclusion. Now, for a person that wants to just pick up the book or, or, or... discover the best way to approach the book, what should they do? Can they skip around in this book or should they read it cover to cover? Is there a section they should read first? What do you think?
1: I would hope the intro would be such a grabber. They just want to continue. But <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's what I would suggest. If, if people don't like to read a book cover to cover, and as you said, it's a fast read, short chapters because salespeople, well, we don't have a big attention span, right? So a lot of white space, a lot of bullets. So please read the dedication. You'll get my point. Read the introduction. You'll get my point. And then if you want to skip, skip to section five. Keep technology in its place. And that gives you my perspective on the technology side and on the personal side and how they come together.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I want let's dig down into that section because it is fascinating. You've got stuff like uh, technology luggards, uh ditch the de- ditch the demo. What a great section! Um, <laughs> let's let's jump right all over ditch the demo. Why ditch the demo?
1: I mentioned that I work a lot with software companies, and you know, all software folks want to do is open their laptop or now their iPad and say, "Let me show you this cool demo." Well, you know, and all, even on company websites, right? See our demo, sign up for our demo. Well, when you're in person, I don't know what your needs are. You know, this is, this. technology is cool, but we need to have a conversation first. And I was really blown away several years ago. We were working with a a software company and we were on a webinar with a bunch of their uh, channel partners. And the VP said to the group, People don't buy our technology. They buy what our technology does for them. We learned in our interviews that many of these people were taking their technical person with them on the first sales call. We gave them a challenge. Leave that person at the office. Go have that sales call one on one, ask the questions you need to ask. Doesn't that make sense? And when you see a demo, you customize the demo for what's important to them. I've even seen a trade show, so we all have, right? I'm walking around, I'm listening to the people behind the booth. And I know working trade shows is very hard, but I hear all the time, Oh, I'd love to show you a demo. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course you would, but you don't know anything about me. Someone also said to me, the best demo is no demo.
0: You know, I, um, that's interesting because, you know, way back when was a, a, a junior designer type dude, and the whole thing was like, build a portfolio, build a portfolio, so you can demonstrate your portfolio, and you demonstrate your skills, blah blah blah. And as I developed and, and got involved with in the industry more and more and more, I found that I would bring the portfolio to the to the meeting, but I'd, I'd less and less I'd bring it out. I would maybe sometimes bring out a piece to prove, show a point. So well, kind of like this. And now I never bring. I've got this fantastic portfolio of samples that are mind blowing. But I never bother bringing him to the meeting because we never get to my stuff. It's always about their stuff, answering their questions, uh, speaking to their needs. And I think that's really what it's all about, having the conversation. So with that in mind, where do you think salespeople uh, need to improve or anybody that's dealing with with clients, and potential clients, where do they need to improve on that part of the conversation?
1: In having the conversation, yeah,
0: I mean, do, yeah. do they need to listen more? to where do they make the mistakes? Do they get too excited about specifics? Do they end up trying to think demo, demo, demo too much? Where where do you? Because really, you know, the, I know some some salespeople they have a script and they stick to the script. And oh, if you go off the script, you're not going to make the sale, which is a horrible attitude because then you end up. Uh, really not being able to listen to the person because you're trying to force a specific set of words down their ears. Um, What do you think?
1: I think it's a real problem today that people don't know how to have a conversation uh, at all. That um, they, you know, they talk about themselves. And here's the thing, that clients don't care about us. That's a fact. They just care about what we can do for them. We need to ask questions and we jump way too soon into a solution and we want to go to the technology, right? And that doesn't work.
0: You know, I'll be in a networking meeting and chatting with somebody and and I think people should be doing way, way, way more one-on-one networking meetings just to practice the art of the conversation and it's a lot easier if you're in front of somebody uh, without, Technology blocking it through social media or even a telephone, Um, and you 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 really get to read off the person's body language a lot more, and it's so difficult not to get overly excited about. Oh my God, that's a key word. Now I'm going to jump all of this person. Like, uh, so what should a what is the best? You know, and I I know the answer to this one, but I want for the for our listeners, what is the best? time to start introducing your solutions that are product-based should it be on the first encounter should it be on the second encounter when should you be doing it when is too soon or when is too late
1: it's typically too soon on the first call unless you set it up differently um i really never talk about my solution in the first call i've had our conversations with people and that we've never gotten into what i do the client will ask, now here's the trap nobody should fall into. Many times they'll say, well, how can you help me? Very, very early in the conversation, maybe even after you introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, my answer is, I'm not sure I can. And then we go into a conversation. So I, again, reframe the meeting. I have control. We need to remember that. Um, but I, I want to get to a point that you brought up about having conversations. I think a lot of people today don't have them because they rely on technology. And salespeople today are they just tap away on their keyboards, or are tapping, 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 and they think technology can do their jobs. I've had people say that to me, oh, Joanne. I don't think I need to talk to anybody because, you know, I'm just emailing or sending um, information through social media. That's it. It's really like what I call digital snake oil. We're lured, if any of us remember what that is, we're (laughs) lured into um, thinking because everybody's so cool with technology that that's all I have to do. And that's not the case. Technology is a phenomenal tool, and I talk about that in the book, which you know, Bob. Phenomenal tool. We need to use it, use it well, It increases our productivity. It's fantastic to do research. But people don't buy our technology. Again, the biggest competitive differentiator we have is actually talking to people. And it's even more so now because everybody's using technology. They're not having conversations. I have more people say to me, Joanne, I'm so glad you called. So we need to remember that. We need to you know, log off the computer, have real personal conversations, not send those spam emails and cold calls and sales through social media. That's not what sales is about. Sales is about having a conversation, building a relationship. You know, you,
0: you, you touch on Section 6 here. Uh, marketing matters and, and the difference between marketing and sales. And there's a major problem that's going on right now where people are using the word marketing instead of the word sales. And it, all the way down to um, I was looking at, uh, I think it was uh, some job job board the other day. Because by the way, job boards are a great way to find leads. Um, and this it said branding specialist, request it. And it was an auto dealership. So, well, that sounds interesting. I clicked on it. They were asking for a salesperson that knew about a particular Audi product. So, why didn't they say that? So, a lot of people are using trickery now, to or or um, I think it's called link bait, to get people to click through, on a, a you know like a, in in, a, in in a conniving type of way. I mean, what a terrible way to introduce yourself to a person by being sneaky. That's probably the worst thing you could do.
1: And that's why sales gets a bad name, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there.
0: Yep. So that's a sales trick. A lot of people would say, which is a bad thing to be using. As soon as you hear "sales trick," run. Um, with social media and the the, uh, I guess I would have to frame it as the ignorance uh, of of the masses thinking that like, oh, now that I use social media, I don't have to do use any other marketing. That is the kiss of death, I think, for most uh, marketing or, or, or even for the whole company saying, oh yeah, we use social media now. We don't have to worry about it. I still think it's critically important to have a whole suite of things happening. Um, trade shows, personal networking, definitely follow up phone calls. Um, getting technical people involved when it's appropriate, uh, traditional TV and radio, depending on your budget restraints. um, Then social media to augment that customer service. You've got to have the whole package. You can't just say, "Oh, we're going to take our whole budget uh, and move it to social media, and everything's going to be solved." So, with that as a reality, and us both understanding that, how should the salesperson be working with the marketing department to help them? Because there's traditionally been this 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 division. You know, when I've worked in marcom departments. Um, there's always been uh, the marketing department and the sales department they're at odds all the time and the marketing department says the sales guys never use our brochures and the, the sales guys are saying God they never put the right things in the brochures there seems to be this communication disconnect
1: There is people write about it all the time it's not an easy problem to solve because as you say the history of this oil and water between the two areas the The key is that, you know, marketing needs to ride with sales. They need to see what salespeople do because right now the attitude is, you know, we create all these great leads and we throw them over and sales doesn't accept them. And they're arrogant and they have huge egos. And, you know, why should we even bother? On the other hand, sales has this view of marketing. They have no clue what we're doing and they give us all this collateral that doesn't make sense. They need to sit down with marketing and find out what they need and the time constraints around developing content. And when that happens and it's happening here and there, that really helps. Another thing that's happening is marketing is now in some companies um, having goals around how many leads that sales accept. So they need to be qualified, you know, and, and they're not. So in, in traditionally, you know, inquiries, sales uh, marketing viewed as leads, but they're not. They're inquiries. That's it. Um, And you might recall this anecdote in the book where I actually co-presented at a marketing conference with a marketing guy. And he had the audacity to say in front of the group that sales shouldn't be qualifying their own leads. In fact, they're terrible at it. (laughs) I couldn't believe what I heard. Uh, You know, so that's that's really a, a big issue. But The smart people recognize that the personal connections matter. So when one of my interviews I did for the book was the head of sales for a marketing automation company. And before I interviewed him, I thought, oh, he's going to tell me how great marketing automation is and that's what we should be doing and how it gets leads and all of that. And I said, oh, but I was totally surprised because that's not what he talked about at all. He talked about his father being a salesman and how he got business. And then he talked about a group he belongs to of executives and how they get together every couple months. And they also talk in between and they respect each other. And if they have a problem, they're going to call one of the other people and say, you know, here's what's going on. Who should I talk to? And the other person makes the referral and they that's the choice they make. And he ended up telling me that referrals are absolutely the best business.
0: Well, i Well, word of mouth. I mean, it's the strongest thing that you could have going for you.
1: Well, word of mouth is one thing. That's when you hear about things, right? But it's very different when someone makes an introduction. So if I sit back and wait for my phone to ring because people have heard of Joanne Black, I wouldn't be in business. (laughs) You know, we as business owners, as salespeople, as heads of sales, as CEOs, we need to have a proactive intentional process to bring in business that's it have to have it we, we can't sit back and wait and we can't rely on technology to do our jobs and the other huge challenge that links to technology and sales is how technology and our addiction to, to technology is bleeding into our personal lives we are so used to it. You can walk down the street. Nobody's looking at you. They're all looking down at their phones. They're bumping into things, of course. There's phones at dinner tables, and people think it's okay to check baseball scores at a table or you know, whatever season of sports we're into, uh, to go on the internet and check something out because someone's asked a question they can't answer, um, to take a phone call during a meal.
0: When do you think it became Okay.
1: I don't know when it became okay, but it's not okay. It's not okay to come home from work and have all this work to do and ignore our families. And there's been articles written now about people who are coming home from work and they have to put their phone like in a basket with a cover so they won't go to it until their children are in bed because their kids have said to them, you're not listening to me. You're not paying attention to me. You see, everybody's looking down. We're we're not paying it. We can't wait to get to our phones. We wake up. It's the first thing we check. People are like, have their phones on at night. Come on. Technology is great, but what is so important that it can't wait? Unless we're an emergency room doctor or an EMT.
0: Do you think that a lot of organizations are... Kind of expecting people to be able to answer their phones 24 7, even if they're not in that type of position?
1: I'd also like to read something from the book where I interviewed someone and uh, an executive, and here's what he said I'm quoting. Today, it's easier to connect with customers and coworkers. 25 years ago, I sent a letter and waited at least a week for a response. A fax cut it down to a few hours. A phone call had to be during business hours, and often you had to wait for your prospect secretary to give him the message. Now emails arrive in seconds, but I still text colleagues because email's too slow. My phone even lets certain people ring through to me in the middle of the night. He said, the problem is that all of these changes are about acceleration and removing friction in the sales cycle. If you do things right, you succeed more quickly. But if you make mistakes, you have no time to recover. While our customers demand speed, they are no more tolerant of errors than before. Going fast badly doesn't make you successful. Yet we are at great risk of emphasizing speed and ignoring quality.
0: That is so true. I mean, one of the most frustrating things I can see in social media where people just give – one word answers like great or shocking. And you know they haven't even read the article, they've just read the highlight or they've read the title, uh, the headline or whatever and just did a knee-jerk reaction which is probably the, the most dangerous type of communication. So I'm very strict the way I communicate on social media in the sense that I will read something if it if I agree or disagree with it or it, it, it uh, tweaks my interest, I'll click on it, I'll read the whole article, I'll come back and I'll respond with my opinion. And my opinion will also include some reference links to it. So it actually has value. And a lot of people say they just go to my stream because they don't have to go anywhere else because it's an intelligent conversation. They actually learn something instead of people pretending to be listening by saying, oh, that's shocking or, oh, I disagree. And that's all they do.
1: Social media is uh, huge and specifically LinkedIn. And I I really say one of the uh ahas I got from writing the book was realizing that I probably knew it, but really realizing that we show up two ways today. You know, we show up in person or on the phone, and we show up on social media. And they're at least equal, but social media could even be more important when we use it wisely because it's a place to begin a conversation, begin a relationship. We find out so much about people. There's a lot we don't know about them, but we can do a little research. And the, and the research that other people have done actually says that uh, 78% of salespeople who use social media outsell their peers. We need to use it and use it wisely. And there's, there's a lot of frustration because people don't know how to use it wisely. And one of my pet peeves is when people send me the standard LinkedIn invitation.
0: Absolutely. Well, you send a nice one to me. You say, hey, Bob, you've got a fascinating background. I'd like to learn more. Let's connect. Yeah. What a nice way of saying it. You know, say like let's instead of just connecting. Good buddy of mine who's very, very much into LinkedIn, um, he'll research and find out if there's somebody that he already knows in his. Um, connections that they know and say, Hey, I just noticed that, you know, Joe and Bill, maybe we should connect. I mean, what it's, it's, it personalizes it. It makes it work a lot better.
1: Well, it does. But one of my things is in connecting LinkedIn and referrals is you can find out how you're connected, but then you need to pick up the phone and have a conversation because you will never, ever, ever send a request for an introduction through LinkedIn. Why? Because Bob, I see you're connected to Jim. I'd love to meet Jim, but I have no idea if you know him or not. I don't know your relationship. I don't know if you've met him at some convention, have no clue who he is, or if he's your next door neighbor. I need to find that out. And I also need to find out a little bit about you. What's going on? What's new? And I need to communicate with you about why I want that introduction. So you are confident introducing me.
0: It's the personal touch that makes the big difference. I, I oh, totally yeah. agree. Totally people
1: agree. do business with people, not technology. That's why we need to pick up the damn phone.
0: <laughs> hey, for people that want to learn more about your book or, or have read your book and want to learn um, even more or get up to date, do you have a, a, a blog set up or a, a website?
1: The website is nomorecoldcalling.com, and people can sign up for my RSS feed or also my monthly Back in the Black newsletter. And when you do that, you will get a referral IQ quiz, which is 14 yes or no questions about best practices for using referrals. People really appreciate that. My book is available on Amazon, on Kindle, and in paperback, and it's also on Barnes & Noble Nook. And my first book, No More Cold Calling, is also both those places. Now, I wanted to
0: ask you, should uh, the person read uh, No More Cold Calls before Pick Up the Damn Phone, or are they kind of separate books, or do they play off each other?
1: No, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I'd say probably start with Pick Up the Damn Phone, because that's the most recent. The No More Cold Calling book really goes uh, into the referral process, what it takes, step by step by step, of what you need to do to build a referral business.
0: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Joanne, thanks for coming on the show. It was awesome. I really appreciated it, and for all our uh, rabid listeners out there, I definitely recommend you should check out this book, even if you're not into the art of sales, because it is an art. Uh, if you're in marketing, definitely it's a book you should be read, but if you you know, own a company or, ha- or you're in a C-suite, like we mentioned earlier, it will really help you do a better job and understand part of your responsibilities with doing sales, even though you might not even consider it using the word sales. Uh, so, Joanne, thanks for coming on the show
1: thanks a million Bob we had a good time and I learned a lot
0: hey I hope you enjoyed that show and do me a favor and tweet about it follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already we really appreciate it see you next week